Hope you're having a great weekend. So glad you joined us to be with the church this morning. And Steph and I had a really wonderful experience on Tuesday night. We had our church planning school graduation dinner at our house. We have a little picture. You can see this wonderful class of great people who've had their lives impacted and now are going to countries like Moldova, South Africa, Indonesia, Japan, Middle East to plant churches with All People's Church. And what was most wonderful was Jeff Bianchi, who is our uh, incredible church planning school director. If you're around him, he always gets people talking about what has God done. And it was impacting to hear person after person talk about how their lives have been transformed. Different ones saying, I learned these values in this church, and it's just changed the way I lived. Or one couple said, our marriage has, has absolutely been healed. Another uh, young man said, my life, I was saved, and now my parents have been changed, and my parents are now leading the life group that I started as I'm moving on to plant the church. So, so beautiful. And as I was reflecting on that night, the, the powerful thing for me was that all of these people had something in common. And it wasn't gifting. It wasn't calling. It wasn't upbringing. It wasn't their ethnic origin. All of these things were very different. But the thing they all had in common was this. They had all said yes to their next step on their journey of transformation with Jesus. You see, there's a journey that God wants to take us on to transform our lives. This, this idea of a journey, it's in all the books that really impact us. It's, it's in the movies that we love. I was, I was thinking about these different movies that so inspire us. And usually they're a journey. Like maybe the quintessential one is the Lord of the Rings with Frodo Baggins, the little reluctant hobbit who doesn't want to leave the Shire and then goes and becomes a, an incredible hero. Or maybe the most, one of the most uh, popular movies of this year was Spider-Verse with Miles Morales, this normal teenager living in the city that is taken and becomes an incredible superhero. Most of us will never forget the, the movie Nemo, with the little clownfish, the tiny little fin, but goes on a journey and is transformed into, into a, a brave clownfish. And, you know, God is inviting us into a journey of transformation. And what I find is if we go on that journey with him, there is tremendous joy. It's one of the aspects of life that brings us the joy of our life in him. And I want to unpack that today. One of the last things that was said in this church planners dinner was by one of the youngest gals in the class, a, a young millennial who said, I came into the church and I went through all of the five D's and my life has just changed. And now I'm excited for my life to bring change to others. You know, God gave us this, this picture. Just, it's just straight out of scripture. We're going to look at the apostle Paul's life today, but God gave us these words. If we will put up this slide, this, this journey of transformation where we see these, what we call the five D's, decision, dunk, deliver, disciple, deployed. We see all of these in the book of Acts in chapter nine in this incredible transformation story. I mean, most people, even if you haven't been in church, you've heard of St. Paul. But do you know that he didn't start as St. Paul? He started as Thug Saul. 
He started his thug Saul, and we pick up the, the story in verse 1 of Acts 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. That doesn't sound like a saint to me, does it to you? Murderous threats. It sounds more like a mafia story. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any of those that belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So the first glimpse of Saul we see is this thug who's murderous and he's wanting to grab people, both men and women, and just throw them into prison, have them beaten. We even see that he has someone stoned and he glories in it. But now watch in verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He's on this journey being a jerk. And in the middle of that, the living God shows up. Blinding light knocks him on his back. That's a good example of getting rocked. We say the vision statement for you in this church is get rocked, get real, give it away. Paul gets rocked. Jesus shows up, blinding light, and watch his response. Who are you, Lord? He calls him Lord. You would too. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what to do next. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They'd heard the sound but not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Today I'm going to highlight these five waypoints in our journey of transformation. And the first one is decision. Say decision. Paul has an encounter with God. What I find is that God is always encountering us. For many people, they talk about walking through those doors into this church, and they just say, I felt the presence of God. I started to, to cry, or I, I started to feel the warmth, or I had this conviction, or some of you, maybe you were in a crisis moment, and you cried out to God for help, and all of a sudden, something just happened, something shifted in your life, or, or maybe someone come up, came up and shared, and as they were talking, you were like, this is God speaking to me. But can I tell you, we all come to the point where we must decide whether I'm going to start the journey. Every epic story, every epic journey begins with a decision. And I was thinking about one of my favorite books, The Hobbit, where this reluctant little little hobbit, this reluctant little fellow that just would rather sit in his home and just have food and relax in front of the cozy fire, has this encounter with these rough and tumble dwarves that come in and, and this mysterious loving guide, Gandalf, and they invite the little hobbit, into a journey, and he wrestles and struggles, and, and, and do I really want to do it? And we're going we're gonna to pick up on the journey right here in this clip.
I signed it. Everything appears to be in order. Welcome, Master Baggins, to the company of Thorin Oakenshield. You know, the, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is advancing. The question is, have you made the decision to get on, on the journey, right? Have you made that decision to go with God? Now, Paul did this simply by saying, Lord, and then he gets up and then he, he goes into the town. You have a decision when Jesus shows up in your life. Are you going to receive him? It's not about being perfect. It's not about being good enough. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. You know, he took our sins in his body on the cross. And the Bible says that we begin the journey by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And then we're saved. And then we start the journey. Have you made that decision? Have you prayed that prayer and said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. That's how you start the journey. And at the end of the service, I'm going to give you a chance. That's the beginning of this transformation journey is making a decision. But for some of you, maybe you prayed that prayer years ago, but you were like me in my early adulthood life where I needed to actually make Jesus my Lord. And I actually need to say, I'm following you. I'm not going to just go my own way anymore, but I'm actually going to get on with you and do what you say. We got to start by making him the Lord of our life and saying, I'm on this journey with you. And that's when the adventure begins. Jesus said, I came to give life most abundantly, but have you chosen his life? That's the decision. Here's the second part. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Now, we're back in the, the life of, of Saul here, but now God's showing up to a second person, Ananias. He says, yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man. He's thinking, you know, thug Saul. And all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he's come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. Can I just tell you that God even when you're a mess, even when you're Thug Saul, he already has a plan for you. You're already his chosen instrument. Sister, you're going to get on the journey with him. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Say baptized. 
And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So many incredible things in this text, but I want to focus on the next one. The first point we said in this journey is to make a decision. The second point is to be baptized. We say, get dunked. Baptism is an external observation of something that internally has happened to you. And as I was thinking about baptism this week, what came to mind was a a hilarious little clip that I saw that I thought might make you laugh. Let's watch that next. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Felicidades. Okay, please don't be judging me because I played that clip. And no, those uh, wardrobes are not appropriate attire here. Uh, no, I, I, I love that because I actually find you ask people if they've been baptized and they're like, ah, I never got around to it, right? Don't make Nacho Libre come and baptize you. <laughs> it's sad to me when I meet believers who, who I ask them, you know, have you given your life to Jesus? Are you sure you're going to heaven when you die? And they're like, I'm not quite sure. And many times it's because they haven't done these two things. They don't know that there was actually a time where they made a decision. Like this was the day where I made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then this was the day I got baptized. And so baptism shows the world and it shows yourself that I belong to Christ. And I also love that, I mean, one other little thing we can apply is that Nacho looks at him and says, tonight we, fi- we, we face Satan's cavemen. And I want to make sure you're baptized. You know, baptism shows the enemy, I belong to Jesus. Now, don't be deceived in thinking that you have to be perfect, that you have to reach some level of spirituality to get baptized. In the Bible, in in Acts chapter 2, they preach the gospel, and in the same day, they get baptized. It's not something that you work up to or graduate to. It's just a sign showing that when I gave my life to Jesus, he actually made the old person die, And that's why we put you under water. We say buried with him in baptism. Then we pull you out. We say raised to walk in new life. It just shows the transaction that Jesus does when he comes into your life. And so I want to encourage every single person in this room, when you give your life to Jesus, be baptized. And if you haven't been baptized since you became a believer, then do it. And and what do I mean by that? Well, some people say, well, I was baptized as a little kid. My my parents took me to church, and I was baptized in a church as as an infant. That's great. What they were trying to do is dedicate you to the Lord, but that's not believer's baptism. The, the Bible says in Acts 2.38, repent 
and then be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. It means you turned away and you said, now I'm going to follow Jesus. Turned away from my old life of sin. Now I'm following Jesus. So be baptized. And what I find is that helps people hit their, their growth curve because all of a sudden they know, hey, I actually made a decision and I showed myself and the world and the enemy that now I belong to Jesus. So our next baptism, we'll put a little slide up here so you can mark down this date, March 30th through 31st. What are the qualifications of baptism? Just that you made a decision. You pray with me at the end of the service to give your life to Jesus, or you've asked him to come into your life before, then you can be baptized. There's no class you need to go to, no long uh, study that you need to go through. It's just an immediate act of obedience. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Let's move to the next D along the journey. Verse 18, talking of Saul, it says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. I think this is symbolic of how we as believers have bondages and, and we have different trappings that keep us from actually seeing what God is doing. And God wants to set us free. So many I, I, I talk to, they, they're living enslaved, they're, they're captives, whether it's thought patterns or whether it's an addiction to alcohol or drugs or pornography, or maybe it's a more acceptable addiction to, to food or, or shopping. Or, we've, we live in these different bondages, but can I just tell you that there's no bondage that Jesus can't set you free from? There's no mental thought pattern that's enslaving you that Jesus can't break off your life. He actually says in Luke 4, 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. But I find that many of us are running, feeling like we're shackled. We feel like we're constantly being picked on by the enemy, and we can't live the free life that God's called us to. And, and this week I saw this clip, and it just lifted my spirits because I thought, yes, that's the picture of what Jesus wants to do in our life. Let's show this next clip. I told you 
But I can run like the wind blows. From that day on, if I was going somewhere, I was running. Come on. You were created to run. You were created to run free with Jesus. And he wants to take you through a process of freedom. We call it delivered. We say decision, dunk, delivered. We have these freedom days. We find that all of us through living in a broken and hurting world, through living in a world where it's laced with sin, we have pain from our past. We have issues where we need to give forgiveness, where we need to receive forgiveness. We have strongholds that have clouded our minds. We have addictions that have covered our hearts and, and, and tarnished them. We, we have all kinds of pain that we need to get free from. And that's why we have what we call freedom days. And each, each time we have it on a Saturday, I want to encourage you to come to the next one. You can mark your calendars. Here's a slide. It's on May 4th. We'll usually have a couple hundred adults. We'll usually fill this room. We want every single person in this church to go through it. I find that every single person can go to that next place of running free and unencumbered by the pains of this world and the vices that hold on to us. And I, I've never talked to a person who went through a Freedom Day that didn't say that they encountered Jesus in a fresh and more powerful way and got free from some of the things from the past that have held on to them. So make a point to be there at the, at the next one. And also we have a Freedom Team. So for people who go through this and say, hey, I, I need more. I need some counseling. I need some intensive prayer. We want to pray for you. And, and also, let me just tell you, every week that we have the prayer team come forward, when you're struggling, when you're battling something, you're not made to go it alone, right? You need your little friend that says, run, Forrest. You, we, need, we need the cheer, cheering squad. And so that's what the church is about. So come forward. Let someone lay hands on you, just like Ananias did with Saul, and pray for you, for those scales to fall off you. Acts 9, 19 brings us to our next point. It says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. He, he didn't just go off by himself, but what we see in scripture is that Saul immediately was brought in to community. And it brings us to our next D, which is discipled. Say discipled. Now, one of the reasons that people don't advance in their faith as Christians is because we don't have a team and we don't have a coach. And that's what life groups are all about. In Acts chapter 2, when people received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they immediately went in and got into a small group community. It's so powerful to come and sit and receive instruction in the Word in the big group on Saturday nights or Sunday mornings, but you were actually made to be 
on a team. You are made to, to be with a group of people who are being conformed in the image of Christ. And that's what was happening in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let me read it to us. It says, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I love watching people come to Jesus and then they join a life group. And in it, they start learning how to pray. We need someone to show us how to pray. It's just not natural for us. We need someone to show us how to read the word. We need to learn to take care of each other. And that's what we learn in the context of community called life groups. And then in those groups, we find more mature believers, someone who's been a believer a little longer than us, and they can be a mentor or a guide, just like like the little hobbit had Gandalf to, to show them we need a guide. As a, as a kid, I loved the Star Wars movies. I, I loved seeing Luke Skywalker, who just thought he was a kid trying to, to eke out an existence on this obscure planet. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi shows up and helps him understand who he really is. And then he goes on this epic journey. Well, it's been fun for me to have these movies come back out, the new episodes, for my kids to experience the same thing I have. And so I love now, as an adult, that Luke Skywalker is now the guide and helping mentor someone. So I want to take you into this clip. This is a lot of fun. Master Skywalker, we need you to bring the Jedi back because Kylo Ren is strong with the dark side of the Force. Without the Jedi, we won't stand a chance against him. What do you know about the Force? It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. <laughs> Every word in that sentence was wrong. Lesson one, sit here, legs crossed. The Force is not a power you have. It's not about lifting rocks. It's the energy between all things, the tension, the balance that binds the universe together. Okay. But what is it? Close your eyes. Breathe. Now, reach out. <gasps> I feel something. You feel it? Yes, I feel it. That's the force. Really? Wow, it must be really strong wow, in you. I've never felt any... He meant reach out like. I'll try again. Breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings. What do you see? The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Awesome. Okay, now obviously we're not into the force and, uh, you know, the Eastern mysticism and stuff, but I, I love the, the principle of having someone that helps you walk into learning to see. Right? That's what, that's what Luke was doing. And 
here's the thing. I find many of us don't feel like we can make disciples because we're like, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I make mistakes. I, I'm not Jesus. Of course you're not. You're just helping people get closer to Jesus. You're just taking the little that you know. Say, say you've been saved for two weeks. Well, someone else has been saved for a week. So, so just share with them what you've learned in those two weeks. You're just helping someone move a little closer. We, we, we say, look up, look in, look out. That's what we say discipleship is about. Look up. It's, tra- it's training people. You know, you're a brand new believer. We always have people giving their lives to Jesus in our church. And, and, and then someone hands you a, a Bible, 1,200-page book, and say, read this. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And, and so you open to the book of Leviticus, and, and a discipler comes and says, no, open to the New Testament to the book of John. It's a lot. That's, that's discipleship, right? That's helping you know where to start and, and, and connect. And, and you don't know how to pray. And they say, pray like this, dear God, I love you. And you're like, no, really? And you say, and then you're praying, right? And then we say, look in, hey, hey you know, you, you, let's talk about last week. And you're like, well, last week was pretty rough. You know, someone, someone called me a mid, mean name and I punched him in the face. And you're like, okay, well, what do you think the Bible says about that? And uh, we shouldn't punch people. Wow, you're growing, right? <laughs> look, look out, you know. Hey, do you know someone who doesn't know Jesus? Oh, yeah, this person's really messed up. Well, let's pray for them. And let's reach out to them. And all of a sudden, you're reaching out. That's what discipleship is all about. And everyone can do it. Here on our website, you'll see on our, on our um, resource page, you'll see discipleship lessons. I've written a, a book. You can get this at the guest center. It's $8. If you're cheap, you can get it on Amazon. That's how I do it, $2.99 um, for a Kindle version. But discipleship is a way to grow. And I encourage everyone in this church, ask someone to mentor you. And then mentor someone else. The Bible says, I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith so that you'd know every good thing you have in Christ. If your faith journey has become boring or it's become dry, maybe it's because you're not being invested in and investing in someone else. That's what you were created to do. Lastly, we see in Acts 9 verse 20, it says that once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. At once. Do you know, he didn't wait for years and, and, and get numerous degrees to do this. It says at once he began to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc? Wasn't this thug Saul in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Can I tell you, many times the reason people don't step out and do our next D, which is called deployed, say deployed, is because we think, well, people won't take me serious because I used to be a, a messed up. I used to be a thug. Can I tell you? No, that actually that impacts people when they see that you were messed up and now you're trying to live a different life. And that's what happened with Saul. And it says this, yet Saul grew. That's what we're talking about today. The journey of transformation is just about growing. He grew more and more powerful. Can I tell you the only way you're not going to grow is if you just stop taking steps is if you just stop saying yes. But as long as you say yes, you know, growth is, is Jesus's work. All you have to do is say, yes, I'm going to take that next step. And that next step is deployment. I want to encourage you, one of the, the great ways to be deployed in this church is go through our School of Transformation. Steve and Jeannie Herman on the front row, you could talk to them about it. You can look up online. You can get on and apply there. But it's just a school where we plunge ourselves into the Bible. You'll read the whole Bible. you learn about 
God's heart for you. You learn about how to reach out to others. It's a great way to be deployed. Another great way to be deployed is to sign up to join one of our serving teams. And you grow as you learn to give away. And, and here's this last clip I want to show you to end our, end our time. Uh, I can't watch this without crying. Let's watch this last clip from Finding Nemo. there's so many things that are symbolic about this little clip, this little fish that could have been seen as so inadequate and with this little fin that, that was a weakness, but has gone on this journey and through it become confident and now understands I can actually be used to set so many other people free. And, and in a moment, you know, there's that moment where they're out of the water and, am I going to make it? And then boom, it comes through. And, and then meanwhile, the dad is right there cheering him on. That's my dad. <laughs> you know, isn't that us with the Lord? You know, the, the, the power of getting your life transformed in this journey is that it impacts other people. You know, transform people, transform their families. Transform people, transform their businesses. Transform people, transform their schools. Transform people, transform their neighborhoods. Transform people, transform their cities. Transform people, transform nations. You know, it's not just about you getting transformed and knowing the joy of having your life changed, even though that is so wonderful. But we get transformed because it impacts all those 
around us and brings God glory. Why don't we stand up?